Someone read this week the morning's bulletin cover quotation, the famous mythologist Joseph Campbell's assertion that if you're going to have a story, have a big story, or none at all. And they said, what if I don't have a big story? You do, I said. You do have a big story. We all do. And it's true, I believe it. Created in God's image, we all have big stories. One of the tasks of this year of stories is to first claim, then proclaim, then even share our big stories, and to listen to the big stories of others. That'll happen in many ways, but one way will happen right now. It's called a six-word memoir, and it's something of a thing right now. You can Google it. Don't Google it right now, but Google it sometime, and you'll be led to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples of them. It's a pretty simple exercise. Six words. We've included a handout in the bulletin on which to do this, very old school today, sitting here right now in the pews. But you can do it in other ways as well. You can choose to share it or not, either is fine. Now there are on the reverse side of the bulletin handout some examples, but here are a few more to kind of prime the pump. And anytime I read these, people count to six. Yes, I promise you all these are just six-word memoirs. It all changed in an instant. Family portrait. Everyone smiles but me. Did what I was supposed to. Happy, sad, angry, confident, really happy. Unsure, but you would never know. The activist and writer Gloria Steinem, life is one big editorial meeting. The actress Molly Ringwald, acting is not all I am. Stephen Colbert, well, I thought it was funny. You get the point. So now let's do it. They needn't be finished products today, but I do encourage you to give it a try. We'll take about three or four minutes to do this, and yes, indeed, I've adjusted the sermon length accordingly. (laughs) So let's go for it, friends. Let us pray. O God, you are the author of Concord and Salvation. You are, in fact, the author of our lives. And we thank you for that gift of grace and mercy. And we ask you now, O God, to silence in us any voice but your own. And into that silence, speak the truth and the power of your story, which names us and claims us and calls us and redeems us. For we pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Friends, our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Mark, beginning at the 27th verse of the 8th chapter. Let us hear God's word. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. 
And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life, those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation? Of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Words matter. Not just the six you might have written down in these past few moments. Words matter. They do now. In our Twitter-obsessed, unfiltered, reactive culture, but they have always mattered. John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word. In our year of stories, claiming that we have a story matters, but telling it will also matter, as well as how we tell it. While the primary calling we share is telling our story by the living of our days, we also tell it with words. Tell me a story. It is such a powerful invitation. We were remembering in adult spiritual formation just a moment ago the great book and then film, The Princess Bride. Tell me a story, Grandpa or a counselor to a patient, or a student to a teacher, or a friend to a friend. Tell me a story. Tell me a story with words. Words that matter. Words can heal, or they can divide. They can pave the way, or they can muddy the waters. They can clarify, or they can obfuscate. It's a great word, by the way. You get the point, the power of words as a, as a vehicle for the power of story. And in fact, our tradition has invested so much in words, in parsing theological technicalities. We've 
confused people. We've left some in. We've left some out. We've even spilled blood over the words of our faith. So yes, words matter. That they matter is considered in the letter of James from which Diana just read. The language feels harsh, but it resonates nonetheless. The tongue is a fire, James says, with power disproportionate to the body itself. Once the tongue becomes out of control, once words become out of control, that tongue, those words, can become like a deadly poison. We know what that looks like. But with the same tongue, James says, we can also bless God. From the same mouth comes blessing or curse. Which means we have a choice in the words we say. A moral choice about the words that come out of our mouth. And the call is to choose the good word to say. Nathan Wilby writes, it's often said that the pen is mightier than the sword, but James offers a slightly different rendering, that the tongue is more powerful than the fist. And Daniel Clendenin writes that with our words we name the world and each other. And at least in some sense, our naming creates a genuine reality. Once our speech, Clendenin says, once our speech and narratives take hold, they have a tremendous power and tenacity for good or evil. Words have power. James says this, the power to do bad, the power to do good. Words matter. And it's our choice. Now how they matter is the subject of Jesus' interaction with the disciples. We've just read it again from Mark's Gospel. It is a familiar story. They're walking, they're on the move, and they converse as they travel. Jesus poses a question. We've heard it a million times, I bet. Who do people say that I am? And a discussion follows. Jesus is building to this question, an even more insightful question that, that gets to the heart of the matter. He has said, who do people say that I am? Now, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter and followers, who do you say that I am? Peter answers him, you are the Messiah. And there's a kind of a moment of silence, which feels to me like an affirmation of what has been said. But then Jesus continues, and an admonition to maintain silence about all of this. And then Jesus keeps on talking. Talking to the disciples, talking to the crowd about his impending and necessary death. Then of all things, Peter and Jesus get into a kind of debate, a, a heated battle of words. Jesus shuts him down. And then Jesus speaks to the crowd. And he issues a very challenging invitation. Again, we've heard it a million times. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And then this, those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. 
And then he says this, those who are ashamed of me and of my words, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed. That is to say, Jesus is telling us, I say what I mean and I mean what I say, so to follow me is not only about me, but my message. The message of this man, this one you have called Messiah, what he does and what he says, all inextricably interconnected. Which means that following him is to embrace the entirety of the witness, the person and the action and the moment and the message. That means we can't separate them either. To take up our cross makes a difference in how we live. And how we live is reflected in our words and our actions. It is a, a holistic and integrated call to follow, call to be a disciple. Faithfulness expressed in how we live, yes, and faithfulness expressed in what we say and how we say it. Caroline Lewis writes that who you say Jesus is, is who you have decided to be. Who you say Jesus is, is who you have decided to be. Because you can't, Lewis says, answer Jesus' inquiry without revealing who you are. It's the moment when you come face to face, this question he asks, with your own commitment, your own discipleship, your own identity. It's the moment when you have to admit, she says, to what extent how you follow Jesus actually connects with some sort of confession of who you believe Jesus to be. Who do you say that I am? Caroline Lewis writes. is an invitation to meaningful reflection, an invitation to conversation around faith, an invitation to discussion around the correlation between who we are and who we need Jesus to be. Words matter. Even the words we say about Jesus as we seek to follow him. Francis of Assisi was reported to have said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Which seems to mean that talk is cheap, that actions really do speak louder than words. And Perhaps that's the case. But words speak as well. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel once said that speech has power. Words do not fade. What starts out as a sound ends as a deed. What starts out as a sound ends as a deed. Our tongue has power whether talking about ourselves or others or this conflicted moment in which we find ourselves or our very understanding of faith. Our words have power. May we be mindful of that power. May we be stewards of those words. That both the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts are acceptable to God Build the gospel community to which all of us are called 
and for which this very world is so very hungry. Amen.